Ah, yeah, yeah. What? I got nothing. I got absolutely nothing. You caught me. You caught me unawares. Today is Wednesday, August 21st, 2019. Time for episode 90 of the Barnhart Podcast. And it literally feels like it's been a month since our last recording. I think that's pretty close. In fact, you've been seeing these emails that have been coming in. People, after the last episode that you and I recorded, when we were talking about, um, oh, we were talking about whether or not you go to the Novus Ordo to def- to fulfill the third commandment and all of that, you're then the Sunday obligation. And there were people like freaking out thinking that, Oh no, Anne and super nerd have had a tremendous, you know, disagreement about this. And no, not at all. It was just August. It was just, both of us were just, you know, doing August things and logistically things didn't line up for pretty much an entire month. But well, it was middle of July is when we recorded that. And so it's just past the middle of August now. So it, it is literally, using the word correctly, just over mm-hmm. a month since we recorded the podcast, although I think I published it a week after we recorded. But uh, yeah, I did see those emails thinking that somehow the topic had something to do with why we weren't recording. And no, it just schedules weren't working for one reason or another. Either Anne was available and I wasn't or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I have been doing a lot more interesting stuff at work of late, which has required a lot more um, mental focus. In fact, that was something I was just telling my wife is that I, I have heard that intense periods of mental focus burn more energy than working out. So I've been doing a lot of weightlifting just with my head for the last couple of days, doing a couple Keep of telling yourself that <laughs> now that doesn't mean that you get to eat, you know, extra bacon, double cheeseburgers and extra cocktails and all that. So watch, watch out there, mister. Watch out. Well, I was, it's keto cocktails. It's okay. 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 No, but it, it has been, uh, it has been fun and busy from that perspective, uh, doing, doing some things that are, uh, definitely outside the norm for what I typically do and, and a lot of fun too. So, Oh, good. It's, it's good when work can be fun too. Yeah. I, I, I wish I could tell you all about it. Unfortunately, it's all still under NDA. So Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I know I make it, 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 it makes it sound a lot more interesting than it is. And, uh, if you follow the wall street journal, you might actually see something about it in the next two weeks. I don't know. Maybe, maybe oh. not. Mm-hmm keep an eye on it. All I, right, I, cool. I say that it, I say that tongue in cheek because honestly, I haven't said anything about what, what kind of work I'm doing or what kind of company and, and it probably will show up in the wall street journal because most of the, you know, fortune 500 show up in there for one reason or another. But anyway, it's, I've been, I've been very busy is, is, is the point. And, and uh, so have you. So it's, it's finally, you know, it's good that we finally found a, a time on the schedule to be able to, uh, uh, meet up and talk again. It's you called it the uh, producers uh, back to school potluck special. In fact, we just started homeschool this week, so that works. Yep, absolutely. It's that time of year. Got pictures coming in and people reporting that their kids are starting the the new school year. And um, that, that we always used to start. We would start either the last week of August or for a lot of the time that I was in school, we would start after Labor Day. So um, kids start earlier now summer vacation is shorter for these kids now, but I don't know. Maybe that's good. Keeps them out of trouble. Little rugrats. Well, maybe, I don't know. I mean, do they get in more trouble at school or do they get more trouble during Uh, the summer? It's a good question. Good point. Good point. Depends on if the drag queens are hanging out in the library, I guess. Oh, that's happening more and more. In fact, I just got an email uh, within the last week or two 
that that's going to be happening at a, at a library within about 50 miles of where I live. They're going to have the Drag Queen Story Hour, which I guess is like a national push now. Yes, so absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, perversion coming soon to a neighborhood near you. Are you in the email that you received? Is it just a notification that's happening, or is it a call to prayer, or or a call to protest, or what is it? I would have to go back and look again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, I assume it was a, a call to prayer. Um, I don't know if it was a call to protest or not because I don't know because that that's the kind of thing that if where you work, if you find if it's found out that you protest against things like that, you could be in serious trouble. You could lose your job. Well, yeah, I mean, this is all tying in um, to the Chinese credits, social credit score stuff. And there was some pretty intense reportage on that, I think, within the last week that, um, oh, I remember what it was, that China is openly bragging about the fact that it has banned at least two and a half million people from buying um, airplane tickets and even train tickets, high-speed train tickets within the country. And we're not talking international travel. We're talking within the country um, from people who have this you know, quote unquote, low social credit score. And man, it's you, you, you see this freight train, freight train coming a mile away, that it's exactly what's going to happen to us in the Western world, in North America, you know, in the post-Christian West, that um, you, you say or do anything against, um, you know, the, the zeitgeist and you're going to be shut down. And, oh, I know what the other thing was. One of the things the Chinese do is look at um, your web browsing history. Have you visited um, unapproved websites? And it, you know, it, it occurred to me that probably one of the main ways that they're ultimately going to shut people down is that um, it'll get to the point where, for example, browsing and going to, for example, my website, barnhart.biz, that that is going to end up causing people's social credit score to be knocked. And so then people, your traffic will just stop. And, and you know, people like me, other bloggers, other websites, etc., will start getting emails from people saying, you know, I've, I've been a longtime reader. I've read you for years and years. I used to check your website multiple times a day, every day. Um, and I, but I'm sorry, I can't visit your website anymore because if I do, I'm going to get my bank account shut down or I'm not going to be able to buy gas or I'm not going to be able to buy plane tickets. And it's going to, it's actually going to be kind of that passive back doorway, they might not even need to physically shut down websites if they get this social credit score thing like they're doing in China, people will just stop visiting um, you know, non-government approved websites to keep from having their bank accounts frozen, their social credit score pinged, etc. And so that's how like people like me, for example, that's how we will basically lose the vast, vast majority of of our audience. So again, the call goes out. We have to figure out some sort of a workaround to this, some sort of an alternative. And I've been, I've been on this bandwagon since we started the podcast. 
got to get an alternative for getting information distributed in anticipation of not just now having having blogs shut down and have having you know internet service providers and hosting companies refuse to do business with you but all of the rest of it there's such a market vacuum here and then you know youtube we need an alternative to that um I think social media, Facebook and Twitter, we don't need an alternative to those things. We just need to drop that social media, clearly evil addiction, clearly evil addictive qualities to all that. What I'm talking about is just the the distribution of information, which means written information and also presumably audio and video distribution of information. They're, they're coming after us and it the light bulb went on over my head this past week about the whole Chinese social credit score thing. Well, that they won't have to shut a lot of websites down because people will just stop going because it will be, it will be catastrophic in order to, in terms of being able to just do business, you know, buy and sell, as it says in one of the books in the Bible. I can't exactly remember which one right now. It's, it's the unveiling one. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. So I don't know, super nerd. You gotta, you gotta come up with the alternative and you know it's, make it, your billion. It, it's interesting you say that. Um, I have been in contact with some uh, nerds through Hacker News talking about um, a a. Um, I, I keep I keep referencing it as censorship proof publishing. Mm-hmm. And when I describe every single time I describe this concept, the first thing that the first objection is this sounds like the kind of thing that kitty porn people do. It's oh like, yeah, well, yeah. Technically, yes. It's what kitty porn people and uh, white supremacists and everyone else who legitimately can't be published on the on the internet for one reason mm-hmm. or another, and that's where we are these days. The Catholic truth is now we are in some se- in some senses rubbing elbows at least digitally with Nazis and kitty porn providers. Yep. The truth is that and- dangerous. And meanwhile, the drag queen story hours are happening in the libraries where they're literally like sexually assaulting children, rolling around on the floor with children, teaching children how to perform extremely sexually explicit, quote unquote, dance moves, things like that. So the, the, the pedophilic sexualization of children is going on openly, openly happening we say God God is triune, incarnated a man, and died and rose again so that you could be saved from your sins, and we have to go underground and engage in these technologies as if we were the child abusers and pornographers. At this point, really, I mean, how can this not be at least the run up to the big show to the end times. I mean, how much, how much worse and how much more inverted can this get? Um, I don't know. Quite so. a bit, I would imagine. Uh, well, this, thanks. This is, <laughs> well, this is a topic I've been, I've been having a discussion with, with folks on, on Twitter and in person. Well, for a couple of years, actually. And the question is, are we running up to the end times or are we running up to the minor chastisement, which I've heard some priests refer to as the dress rehearsal for the end times. Mm-hmm. And I suspect it's the former. Which makes me wonder what in the world is the latter going to be like? It's, mm-hmm. I, I I don't think we're we're at the end times yet. It's as as bad as it is. Um, we haven't seen an official official 
apostasy from the church. Although, you know, hold your breath and wait till October. We might see it this yeah, exactly. year. Exactly. That's just like I say, wait a few weeks. Let the let the uh, Amazonian lip plate S I N hyphen N O D happen. Yeah, and, hold, hold the dude's mate. Let him talk for a minute on an airplane, yeah, and we indeed. might have we, we might have formal uh, apostasy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That will well, be a topic for you... another another podcast, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, October is going to be busy. Yeah, indeed. So, what do you got on the potluck list there, my friend? Um, in terms of potluck smorgasbord all over the place, I uh, remember almost exactly a year ago we were recording a podcast, and we, the topic of Father Zulsdorf's blog came up, and we were, we were having fun trying to remember how to spell the the website. And then I said, "Oh, it's easy. It's FatherZ.blog." It's because during the podcast, I actually recorded or uh, registered that domain. That expires August twenty seventh. I don't plan on renewing it. If somebody else wants it and wants to renew it. And I emailed Father Z about this and said, hey, if you want it, I'll, I'll hand it over to you uh, or even renew it for you if you want. But I never heard from him, so I, I guess he doesn't want. If anybody really wants that or wants it renewed, let me know and I'll do it. Um, one of the other things on um, uh, episode 89, you had you had the, the guest host and uh, the three of us were, were chatting and the the the, the uh, an acronym BIP came through. I'm like, what in the world is BIP? And I Googled it. And it's Bachelor in Paradise, and I knew that's not what you guys were talking about. No, no. But, and I'll, I'll, we'll get back to that one in a minute, though. In terms of Bachelor in Paradise, they now are, if you're not familiar with the whole term or the whole concept of the show of The Bachelor, it's a guy who gets to pick from 14 different girls, and I don't know whatever. or what, how, I, I, that's, I think that's the general premise. I don't honestly don't know. I've never watched it. And uh, kind of like Survivor, they just keep changing all the, the the locations and everything. Well, now they're doing their first ever same-sex romance on on this episode, and it's called Bachelor in Paradise. So, go figure. Gross. Yeah, it's it, we we talk about the the trend in society, and 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 um, someone with whom I was talking recently said, well, at least they haven't gone to that direction uh, with, with things on mainstream television. Well, actually, now they are so. Well, what? I mean, they've been they've been forcing sodomy on people for twenty years now. You, there's even before I stopped watching television, every television show, every television show had to have a sodomite character, and the sodomite character was always portrayed as the most intelligent, most down to earth, most normal one, and all of the straight people were stupid, neurotic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This has been the normalization has of, of sodomy on television has been going on for twenty five years, hyper aggressively. Um, but the, and it's the way the way you're describing it there, it, it's starting minor and going by degrees, as opposed to having it outright and and in the front where your 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 main protagonist is a same sex person, and you're celebrating the fact that it is a same sex romance. I don't think that's been done on TV, but then again, I haven't really been watching TV, so. Right. Well, I mean, and I think the thing is, is what they're what they're comfortable showing. So they've been now since I got rid of television, stopped watching watching television. It's been ten years ago now. It was February two thousand nine when I canceled cable for the last time. Um, they they are incrementally showing more and more and more in terms of you know men kissing each other and making out and. Um, soft soft core if you even want to call it that pornographic scenes and shows like game of thrones and and other television shows it seems like a lot of these um truly evil psycho television shows that people are all addicted to now um 
going out of their way to try to show and depict um, um, sodomitical sex scenes between both both men and women. And there's one thing that happened recently that, you know, put a red flag up and a, a light bulb over my head. And what it was was this whole deal a couple of months ago, this whole um, fallout situation with Cardinal Burke, who um, was the honorary president of this, you know, phony fake think tank group. And I don't think Cardinal Burke understood, you know, the extent to how phony this thing was. But anyway, it was the thing that involved Steve Bannon. So Cardinal Burke um, is the is the quote unquote honorary president. He's just basically lending his name to this, you know, allegedly trad Catholic think tank over in uh, over in Italy that's being run by this, you know, super, super sketchy um, English wannabe Politico guy who's in bed with Steve Bannon. And the super sketchy English political guy was one of the main sources on that, um, that book on sodomy in the Vatican that came out earlier this year. Uh, what, what was the, the French author's name is Frederick Martel. And then depending on what language in release in, it was either, either called Sodom or what was it? The gay culture inside the Vatican or something. I can't remember what the English title was, but anyway, this, this, this super sketchy English guy who's running this fake think tank over in Europe that he's got Cardinal Burke goat roped into is the, is the lead, um, one of the main sources into this book. And this Frederick Martel guy is an, is a militant sodomite activist from France. Okay. So here's, here's problem number one. If you're an actual believing, Catholic, what in the hell are you doing having anything to do with a militant sodomite activist? So Martel writes this book, calls Cardinal Burke a sodomite like 12 ways from Sunday. And the book comes out and everybody rolls their eyes and we, we move on. Well, then it comes out that this sketchy English politico guy and Steve Bannon are are going and trying to get Martel to partner with them on selling them the rights to this thing to produce conceivably some sort of a, of an entertainment vehicle movie television show and i look at this and i think and this light bulb goes on over my head and i see exactly what bannon is trying to do so bannon is a it, he made the only reason that Steve Bannon has any money at all is because he was in Hollywood about 25 years ago and signed on to um, uh, produce a package of five or six television shows, sitcoms, to produce pilots for these sitcoms. One of those sitcoms turned out to be dun 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 Seinfeld. That it, and so every time Seinfeld is shown on television, Steve Bannon gets a royalty check because he was one of the original quote unquote producers that signed on to produce the pilot and then stayed on throughout the obviously incredibly lucrative, successful run of Seinfeld, which it still is to this day. I, I assume that Seinfeld is still shown every night after the after the local news as it was 
10 years ago when I dropped television. So it occurred to me, all right, they've pretty much normalized showing um, sodomites, male and female, engaging in disgusting physical sins on television. So that's no longer titillating to people. They have to keep finding the next thing that's titillating, that's exotic to people, that people are going to want to tune in and watch, and and people are going to want to wallow and luxuriate in. People, uh, fallen people, love to watch other people sin that it because it, it ratifies them and it makes them feel good about themselves and so on and so forth. I do need to make one point of precision here, though. You're talking about a lot of these shows are cable TV and the the whole Bachelor series is ABC. So that's broadcast yeah. over the air. Of course, ABC and Disney, you know, connect the dots there. That's not very hard to figure out. Oh, perversity, exactly. perversity and the mouse don't go far, go, go far from each other. So, yeah, I mean, th- yeah, The Bachelor is a network show. But then I don't know what the percentage is of people who still have some sort of a cable or satellite feed and that's how they're getting their broadcast channels. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's It's network television now, too. So back to Bannon, it occurs to me that they want to go to the next step, the new level of perversion to depict on television that people will want to watch that will be titillating. And it occurred to me, this is exactly what he's trying to do. He wants to show sacrilegious sodomy. He wants to show collared priests, bishops, cardinals depicted as having sodom- sodomitical relationships, quote unquote, sex scenes, you know, in the context of of clearly collared, uh, cassocked clergy and prelates engaging in sodomy, everybody's got all the perverse uh, populace is going to tune in to watch this. Everybody, and you know, they'll write these storylines about, oh, here's this poor prostitute, male prostitute with a heart of gold working the streets of Rome. And here's this, oh, here's this poor young priest who's studying in Rome who, who hasn't come to grips with his sexuality yet. And this is... This is what Bannon and this sketchy English guy were trying to do because they're seeing dollar signs here. That I mean, this could be, a, but this could be a nine-figure profit type property easily to go and produce a show that's depicting now sacrilegious sodomy and sacrilegious sex and so forth. And that would be the next new super popular show on HBO or whatever it would be, you know. So, I mean, and then Cardinal Burke gets wind of this, that Bannon and this this English, sketchy English guy that Cardinal Burke has signed on to be the honorary president of his fake think tank. Cardinal Burke looks at this and says, wait a minute, this, this French guy has just accused, has just calumniated me and accused me of being a sodomite 15 ways from Sunday in this damn book. And this guy that I'm, I'm doing him a favor and I'm, you know, signed on to be the honorary president of his fake think tank. Not that Cardinal Burke was fully aware of how fake the think tank was. This guy's now crawling back in bed with the same, and his boy Steve Bannon are now trying to crawl back in bed with this French militant sodomite, and they want to they want to produce a movie or a television show, and they're what? And so Cardinal Burke, very very rightly, 
dropped and said, I completely disassociate, disassociate myself from this think tank, done, finished, over with. And um, what's very sad is that this think tank has apparently taken over, somehow weaseled its way um, into getting like a legal lease on a beautiful, beautiful monastery, which is of course empty now because all monasteries are empty now over in Italy. And it was their intention to turn it into, into some Steve Bannon fanboy center or something just awful like that. And so, you know, thank God that Cardinal Burke has gotten away from this, but don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. I'm telling y'all, I mean, there's a lot of people who are on board with Steve Bannon and all this guys, that guy is trouble. He's no good. His, his personal life is absolutely deplorable. Steve Bannon is in the business of Steve Bannon. Okay. And it, it, if the, if, he can make money doing things that are on what we would consider the right side uh, in terms of the left, right of the political spectrum. That's what he'll do. If, if, if he smells, that's where the money is. If he smells that he can make money producing a television show and pitching a pilot to HBO, showing priests and bishops engaging in sacrilegious sodomy because he knows damn good and well that everybody will tune in to watch this because people love watching perverted sex. People love watching things that um, tear down the, the, the institutional church and ratify them and saying, see, this is why I don't go to church. This is why I don't believe in God. It's that pushing of scandal. And it's, it's, it's encouraging people to be scanned, not just not just giving scandal, but but encouraging people in that and saying, yeah, you you were right to not you're right to not go to mass. You're right to completely disregard God and his church and his sacraments. And you were right to lose your faith. And here, let me reinforce that and sexually titillate you by showing the next iteration of perversion that we all need to start, you know, watching and luxuriating in because just watching two civilian guys go at it isn't no longer carries the punch that it did that eh, five years ago. So now we have to watch priests, bishops, cardinals being depicted engaging in sodomy. You can see it coming a, coming a mile away. That's going to be the next new hot serial program, must-see TV. It's going to be probably on HBO or something like that. It's going to be sex amongst um, sodomite clerics. And they might, they might they'll probably, in the interests of being well-rounded, all that, they'll probably depict um, priests having sex with women, too, um, just to, you know, attract the maximum number of people in the audience that they possibly can. But uh, just want to warn everybody about that. And once again, warn everybody about Steve Bannon. He's just, it's, as we talked about, and we don't talk about, you know, national level politics so much anymore. Just about the only thing I can say anymore about national level politics is that Donald Trump is not Hillary Clinton. And that's been that's been our position. And I, I was as shocked as anyone when tr they permitted Trump to be elected and all of that. Um, and I think a lot of that is coming is coming to bear when we see what's happening with 
national debt, running up deficits. I mean, the spending, the spending is absolutely out of control. And I find it, I find it interesting, but not surprising that really no one on the, on the political right, well, what I will refer to as the old Tea Party right, really has anything to say about the fact that the spending that's going on is every bit as out of control as what was going on underneath the Obama regime, maybe, and maybe even more so. I mean, you look at you look at what's happening to the to the debt and the deficit, and it's just it's mind blowing. And again, you ask yourself, how much further can this go? How much longer can this last? At what point are the Chinese going to have enough leverage that they're going to be able to completely cripple cripple everything and shut everything down by starting to call call this Western debt and refuse to participate in this Western debt? So there you go. I have no idea what the plan is with China. I just know that um, things are going to continue to get more interesting there. And with regard to Trump, I saw that, um, I think it was Israeli news, I forget which outlet it was, referred to him as as the king of Israel now, which had a bunch of people freaking out and thinking that there was something apocalyptic about, apocalyptic uh, about that. But yeah. I want to go back to the Steve Bannon um, TV show mm-hmm. idea. Imagine that this is timed to go along with the Synod and... Um, a formal break and a formal schism in the church so that uh, anybody still adhering to the traditional mass is considered the outcast now and in, in, in schism with Rome. How about, how much would you be surprised to see that the homosexual um, characters in, in, in such a TV show would be traditionalists? In other words, Oh, absolutely. In other words, yeah. the, the new church is not like the, the old gay church. Exactly. And um, that was one of the things that the French sodomite activist Martel did in his book. And, you know, it, I'm not kidding you. Unfortunately, I bought this this thing and I read it. I bought the e-version and read it because I was doing, you know, keyword searches for the names of people that I knew and several of them popped up and it was pretty disgusting. And, but basically, Martel's entire argument against both uh, Cardinal Burke and Pope Benedict Ratzinger, both of them, is that they um, they engage. Cardinal Burke specifically does traditional liturgies, wears the Kappa Magna, for example, wears traditional vestments, and the same thing with Pope Benedict that that he also would wear the um the traditional or let's not even put it let's not even say that because what pope benedict would wear wasn't even anything remotely close to anything that pius the 12th was wearing you know i mean pope benedict's vestments and things that he wore were positively low church compared to what pius the 12th would wear um and the liturgies that pius the 12th would do martel's entire proof sets against Cardinal Burke and Pope Benedict, and I'm against in the sense of accusing them of being sodomites, is that they did traditional liturgies and wore traditional, um, they did more traditional liturgies and wore more traditional vestments. And that was his entire proof set that they were quote unquote gay. I mean, it was, it, 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 the book was so shoddy and so transparently weak. Martel also in that book honestly made this argument. Pope Benedict at some point, not too terribly long ago, 
um, since his, I think since his foe attempted abdication, but, or maybe it was just before that. Can't quite remember. But anyway, Pope Benedict gave an interview in which he, he briefly discussed the fact that yes, when he was a lad of high school age, that he did have a young lady that he was friends with, courting with, was potentially romantically involved with, and that he had to consciously make the decision that he was not going to obviously marry this girl and pursue courting her and all that, and that that was that was a step in his life as a young man to resolve that he was not going to get married. Martell in this book, I'm not kidding you, this is one of the most laughably pathetic things I've ever seen, cites this as proof that that Pope Ratzinger is a homosexual because this was, according to Martell, this was clearly Pope Ratzinger trying to go out of his way to paint himself as heterosexual. So the fact that Pope Ratzinger discussed the fact that he did have a young lady friend when he was a lad that he had to discern that he was not going to marry, that citation in and of itself was proof that he was lying and he's totally gay. Oh, and also look at all those fancy trad vestments that that he liked to wear. Oh, look at those red shoes that he liked that he would wear, et cetera, et cetera. And you're just oh, look at that Mosetta. Look at that Mosetta that he would wear. Isn't that gay? Th- this this is Martel's entire proof set. I mean, it's 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 absolutely ridiculous. And so, yeah, I'm just I. Careful, guys. Just please, these sketchy people, just really, really be careful. And how people live their lives and operate. Oh, one more thing about Bannon, going back to Bannon and all of this. There's reportage that I've not seen getting picked up very much that Bannon met multiple times recently with Jeffrey Epstein, the last time being September of 2018, so not even a year ago. Bannon is going to New York, Florida, wherever it is, presumably. Um, In fact, I think the the citation that I saw is that um, somebody saw Bannon having lunch with Jeffrey Epstein, I think, in New York. Um, what in the hell are, what are, what would any decent human being be doing having anything to do with someone, an openly convicted, open secret, no secret at all. Everybody knows that the guy's a pedophile and that the guy traffics in female child sex slaves. Why in the hell do you need to be talking to him? Why do you need to be socializing? He's a hedge fund manager, and uh, he needs to see about his investments from the Seinfeld show. Uh, yeah, whatever. Sure. I, <laughs> if you believe that, I've got a bridge for you in California. I mean, it's no way. So look, look at these connections. Look at who people are, are associating with. I'm sorry, but when you find out that someone is a sex pervert, a criminal, a complete piece of crap, you end the association. You say, no more, done, finished, denounced. I regret ever having had anything to do with the person. And as soon as I found out that the person was of extremely low moral character, that's it, over, finished. It's not a question of personal loyalty or anything like that. 
You have to shun bad company, especially in this day and age, especially in this day and age. Be very wary of these people who will just crawl into bed with absolutely anyone. Well, you know, it's politically expedient and, you know, we could make this all work out to our advantage, blah, blah, blah. Don't you think it would be a good thing to expose the sodomy inside the Vatican? You don't need to expose the sodomy inside the Vatican. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. So what, you want to make $100 million making making a sodomitical, sacrilegious, pornographic television show or movie um and that's that's helping the church i'm i'm sorry no uh, and you want to do this in partnership with a militant sodomite activist no absolutely there's no justification for this oh and you're also throwing your you're also throwing your cardinal patron in this case cardinal burke completely under the bus well uh, sorry got to call that out no. Well, Bannon meeting with Epstein, is that any really different, uh, morally speaking, than uh, Bannon dealing with the Hollywood muggles? I mean, they're they're all into pedophilia. Yeah, that, that's a good, that's a great point. That's a fantastic point. And it, in Hollywood, it's um, children of both sexes. Um, it, it, all the indications with Epstein are is that his child sex slaves were exclusively female. He was exclusively into females. In Hollywood, it's both. You know, the whole, you mentioned Disney earlier. Disney is a full-on pedophile, child sex trafficking, child sex grooming outfit. And so you look we, I think we've talked about this before, but, you know, it's probably been two years ago now. Look at the stable of kids that were recruited, groomed, and brought up by Disney. And look at the absolute horrific train wrecks that they turn out to be. Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Miley Cyrus, who's just, that chick is so crazy and so far gone, you know, declaring that she's neither neither one sex nor the other and she's she married some poor idiot hollywood guy and then promptly has now left him and is having having affairs with other females and oh it's 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 ridiculous and then you look at the obviously the male children who are groomed brought up and now these guys, these kids are all coming out now that they're adults. And most of these former child stars, if they haven't, you know, died of drug overdoses yet, like uh, Corey Haim um, and, and there are several others, they're all coming out now and saying, oh, yeah, the whole thing, the whole time I was a kid, I was being chased the whole time. Um, one that I saw not recently, not too terribly long ago, was um, the guy who starred in The Lord of the Rings as Frodo. So that guy, Elijah Wood, he was a child star. Um, And he specifically said that, yes, the, the male sex predators were everywhere. And the only reason that it didn't happen to me is because my mother was effectively my bodyguard at all times. And, you know, literally, Literally, his mother had to bodyguard him from being prowled, uh, you know, predated upon and 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 raped by all these Hollywood people. And it's just another reason, you know, another reason not to participate in any of this Hollywood crap, not to go to movies, because 
it's it's basically at this point kind of analogous to the way that the that the sodomitical infiltration of the church, of the institutional church, most especially on the Novus Ordo side, but let's be honest, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. The sodomitical infiltration of the institutional church is very similar, it seems to me, in percentage levels as, as the Hollywood situation is. And so every movie that you go to see, there's almost certainly multiple people involved with that movie, production credits, the director, whatever, um, that are that are pedophiles and aphibophiles and are preying on sexually preying on children of both sexes and you're just you're just feeding that you're feeding into that even if the movie you're watching doesn't necessarily have anything to do with those themes that's what you're you're enriching these people you're putting money in their pockets so that that cycle of abuse continues so not only are they physically preying on the children that are that are working in entertainment and working in hollywood look at what it's doing the corruption of the morals of children today who are now um you know the average the average 8 year old will probably stand and give you a lecture about how you know same-sex marriage is wonderful and it's a human right and there are probably children of the same age by now who have been so propagandized already in school and through the media that transvestitism is fine and wonderful and dandy and and um how dare you judge anyone and could probably give you instructions and pointers for you know the newest and best and greatest masturbation techniques and things like this. This is the level of corruption and all of this entertainment money almost is going to, is going to subsidize this. So again, think long and hard before you give any of these people your money. I'm just saying. And if they're not peddling outright perversion, they're taking uh, great film franchises and screwing them up. Yeah, <laughs> we should not go off. We should not get you going off on a star Wars rant because that could, that could go on for another hour just by itself. So yeah, yeah there's, I understand. And I, I gave up on star Wars a long time ago, but I understand that there is tremendous, tremendous bitterness in the star Wars community about what um, specifically Disney has, has done to it. And it's, it's basically ruined it. It's ruined something that, that was an a huge part of our generation's childhood because the first star Wars was 70, 77, 70, yeah. 77, 77, 81, 83 for star Wars empire strikes back and return of the Jedi. I mean, that's, and you know, that's our generation and we're the bit, we're the ones with the money. We're the main demographic right now, you know, early forties, into the fifties. Um, we're the ones with the money and they're, they've just basically ruined everybody's childhood. So yeah, yeah sorry. It, it was a storyline with clear, good, clear, evil, evil, mm -hmm. uh, good tramps over evil. You had a strong feminine, but not feminist character and they've screwed all of that up. And also just Jar Jar Binks. Just want to throw that in there. Yes. Although that did happen before Disney. Yes. Yes, that we there, can blame. We there, can blame Lucas for Jar Jar. Yes, there there is a separate theory that actually Jar Jar was the Sith master, and uh, mm -hmm. that it's uh, compelling. That uh, <laughs> should I put that in the show notes? I, I think we've talked about this before. No, you know, I, I I saw something. Some 
I guess it was a video or maybe it was an essay. Well, it had to have been a video because I watched this clip of George Lucas saying in all seriousness in this like documentary thing, and he's not being silly and he's not making a joke. And the words, Jar Jar is the key to everything or something like that. Something to that effect. Jar Jar is the key to all of this. Jar Jar is the key to all of this. How could those words even come out of your mouth unless there was some absolutely horrific overarching plan that he went into episode one with and that it was his intention probably to unveil Jar Jar as the Sith master. And then there was such a massive, um, popular backlash against Jar Jar after episode one in what was that? 1999. I forget what year that was. That's weird. I think it was, I think it was 99. And, um, there was such a massive popular backlash about it that he, he was basically forced to rewrite the, the whole, um, prequel, uh, timeline and, and plot to undo this this notion that Jar Jar was going to be the Sith Master. Jar Jar is the key to all of this. How could those words even come out of your mouth? See, I'm tell see, we talk about this and we go off on a tangent. So I wasn't really planning to go that deep into it, but uh, now now that we have talked about it, I will put a link in, in the show notes. And the first time I saw this video, it's just one of those YouTube videos. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, this is entertaining. I'll, I'll watch it. But the guy makes the point. There are some uh, scenes in, in the movie uh, where if it was all live action with with human actors, you say, okay, they goofed up in the video. But you realize all of the actors, if you put this in, in parentheses, it's all CGI. There's no mistake to this. Yeah, so, exactly. Yep. <laughs> it was done on purpose. Yep. That's not really what the point of this podcast is all about. Um, the I did have another topic here. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody asked a question uh, for Super Nerd. How did you manage to find the mass when you served in the military? My kids are young, and I worry about the availability of sacraments if one day they should join the armed forces. It used to be a viable option for young men, but I'm concerned about A, the sacraments, and B, the friendliness of the military to Catholics, which is a much more complicated issue. B is definitely the far more complicated issue. And uh, I, I'm definitely in contact with some some uh, current military folks who listen to the podcast and and um, talk to them about the state of the military and 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 uh, the political correctness going on. Well, we've talked about it some a little mm-hmm. bit on the podcast, like the the the, um, the issues with Fitzgerald. We had some theories there that weren't really that far off about yeah. the, the women fighting with each other and, and whether that was just women don't aren't getting along or there were love triangles involved or what or the story was. And, uh, yeah, yeah. The, there was there was definite stuff going on there. But in terms of to the original question, what did I do for finding the mass? Um, that wasn't my best part of in, in time in life. And that was one of the things where um, if I, I have definitely counseled some people joining the military who, who come from tried backgrounds as they were joining saying, Hey, look, when I joined the military, it was Latin mass or nothing. And so when the Latin mass wasn't around, I didn't go to mass. So when I went on six month cruises, like to the central America, to the central America, to places like central America, I didn't go to mass because there wasn't a Latin mass available. So that wasn't really the best, um, spiritual advice to be prepared with. And so what I tell people is that don't forget that these priests, even though they don't say the, the traditional mass, they are still priests. And they will forgive your sins if you go to confession. 
Um, do, you, do you know, um, for example, on any of the really like the aircraft carriers, do you know if like an aircraft carrier has a chapel wherein the Blessed Sacrament is reposed or no? Do you know? I have no idea. I think that carriers mm -hmm. do have Catholic chaplains on board, mm -hmm. but I don't think there would be... I would hope not, because I think by rule, any chapel on, on the carrier would have to be multi-denominational or uh, sure, omni-denominational yeah. or whatever the right prefix to that is. Mm -hmm. So how could you leave the Blessed Sacrament reposed when you're going to have a Muslim ceremony or a, a Hare Krishna whatever? Right. Or, or any of the other things that would happen in the context of a quote-unquote worship space. Mm -hmm. I would think that under Catholic rules... If you're in a joint space like that, which I think Catholic rules would, would shun as much as possible, that in such a circumstance, you'd have to say the, the Blessed Sacrament cannot be reposed there. Mm -hmm. And the only the only near equivalent idea that comes to mind was a case, I don't know, 10 years ago where some chapel here not too far from where I live, they were having a prison uh, choir group um, do, I don't know what it was exactly because I didn't go to it. Uh, it was like, worshipful rap or something like this in the church, yeah. in the chapel. And uh, the chaplain actually went into the chapel beforehand and removed the Blessed Sacrament from the church. Mm -hmm. So it, it was like Good Friday. The, whole, the Blessed Sacrament was not in the church so that there was not this blatant disrespect in front of Jesus. Right. I would hope that on a carrier or any space where you have omnidenominational air quotes worship going on that mm -hmm. the blessed sacrament is only there during the mass yeah and no other time well if any listeners out there have any insights about not only today in in the modern world but historically what was done like you know what would for example the spanish have done well you know a catholic a catholic nation with with a large uh naval presence um I wonder what they did, you know, uh, if there was, if our Lord was ever reposed. So if anybody has any any insight or historical knowledge about those kinds of protocols um, at sea, let us know. I'm guessing the Spanish probably did not have full-time um, full Eucharist and repose, mm -hmm. simply because the dangers of being at sea, you have no idea if something's going to happen and you go down all of a sudden. Yeah. True. So if there were any consecrated hosts, it probably would have been on a pix, on a chain around the, the chaplain's neck. Mm -hmm. So that in, in the event that you got, you're going over the side, he can, he can, um, take he care can of it. The host, well, yeah. Consume the host. Yeah. I, I don't know what the protocol would be for that, but I, I could also understand even in the most Catholic of times, not having the Holy, Holy Eucharist available for adoration at all times, simply for that, that reason. You don't want it, now, granted, at sea you don't have. It's not like a, a desecration in the sense where, it, it, like a host on the ground or something, where someone could trample on it and the the host stays intact over time. Mm -hmm. A host in water will dissolve, and as soon as as soon as it no longer has the accidents of bread, it's no longer. Uh, you don't. You no longer have the sacramental presence. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in that in that situation, let's just say, for example, there was a ciborium of consecrated hosts on a ship and it goes down the contact with the water with the host is going to dissolve the, the bread, mm -hmm. the, the, the physical aspects of the bread, at which point when the host is no longer there, observable as bread, you don't have the Holy Eucharist anymore. 
Now, right. I'm not an ocean scientist or a breadologist or I, I don't know all the, all the chemi- chemistry involved and how fast it break down if salt water is any different and if cold water makes any, any difference. Uh, I could also see where, just out of prudence, you say, we're not going to keep the Holy Eucharist in repose simply because of the danger. We don't know how, how quickly something could happen where we might be overboard. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. But if anybody knows knows better than that, by all means, um, podcast at barnhart.biz. I'd be curious to know this too. So let me ask you this. Um, if you were to, which you're not, but if you were to re-enter the Navy today, knowing what you now know, et cetera, et cetera, or if you could go back and talk to your younger self, maybe that's a better way to frame it. Would you give yourself any advice? Would you change anything about, um, you know, how, how you would observe on Sundays? Do you have any, do you have any modifications that you look back and say I would make or? Let's see in this scenario where I can go back and give advice to my younger self. Does this also, does this also mean that when I give advice, I have knowledge of the markets as well? So I could say, go into this field and invest in these stocks. Uh, No, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) I would say don't join the military. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately. Yep. I mean, it's, it's a great way to learn skills. Um, maybe military reserve, you're only on active duty for two weeks a year, as opposed to going out for a six month, uh, deployment. Although depending upon the skill you learn now, if you join even the national guard, they can activate you and send you over to Afghanistan or, or Iraq or Syria or any of the other hundred countries where they have bases overseas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And I, unfortunately I'd have to say the same thing. Uh, I just, I don't see, especially you read the horror stories about the worst one is the air force. You just read the the horror stories about what the, so the quote unquote social experimentation and what people are being forced as, as, you know, a contingency of, you know, to continue to carry on in, in the armed forces that you have to sign off on, that you have to affirm that you have to, um, you have to give your, your assent to, I mean, (laughs) here's, here's a small, small, small example of this Airbnb, the, um, you know, the website that brokers people going and, and staying in, in other people's homes or apartments or whatever, when you travel a while ago, this has been, boy, this has been probably almost three years ago now. Um, I had to go somewhere. And so I looked at Airbnb and seeing what, what are my options here? Am I, am I better off doing this or am I better off trying to, you know, get some sort of a discount hotel room, blah, blah, blah. Go to Airbnb and this pop-up window opens up and it says, here at Airbnb, we are an inclusive, non-discriminatory community, and we do not discriminate or allow our clients to discriminate against da 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 and of course, what's included in this list, sodomite sex perverts and, and crazy insane cross-dressers. And, I, and in order to use, and I affirm that I will not discriminate against any, any such people for these reasons, and you had to, you had to give your ratification and affirmation of sodomy and transvestitism in order to enter the Airbnb site and then be able to book a room. Well, that's just saying that it is in compliance with the Federal Fair Housing Act. And yeah, I've, I've seen that too. Um, back in February when um, my wife and I went on vacation to San Diego, we stayed at an Airbnb place too, and that popped up. And it's like, okay, that's required by law in the United States. 
And I don't know about the but rest of the world. But there's other websites that don't have that. Airbnb, it was a it was a militant. The That's way it was because they got sued. Is, oh. And anytime oh. if if you're if you're letting a room for rent or selling a house, you are subject to uh, the Federal Fair Housing Act. And if you are not putting those terms up, and or if for some reason like an Airbnb host is saying, "I'm not going to let you rent this because you're gay." There, that's a violation all the way around, and the person, the host, can be sued under federal law. Airbnb, if they know about it, can be sued because they are, you know, that there's there's that walking line between being um, a common carrier and, and and having editorial control. So it, it's this is something where the lawyers get involved, and I see that wording pop up, and I, and I understand your your point that if you don't realize this is something that is mandated under federal law, and they've actually gotten sued about this, and so now they have to make all the disclaimers really obvious. They're not saying Ann Barnhart to rent this room on on Airbnb. You must um, uh, you must promote the the licitness of, of sodomy. It's Ann Barnhart because we're going to get sued if we don't show you this disclaimer. You need to you need to acknowledge that we're saying that we we can't discriminate. Blah 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 blah. blah. Do you agree that, that you've seen this? Yes or no? That's the way I read it. I I mean it's 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 terrifying to think about because for example, if I had. A, a piece of real estate that I was trying to rent out like that, there is absolutely no way, no way that I would let sodomites into real estate that I owned and that having them obviously in a vacation property committing sodomy, committing sodomitical acts, there is no way. This isn't a question of bringing in a cleaning crew and scrubbing the toilets or anything like this. This is a question of having massive demonic presence and perhaps, you know, cue the Father Ripperger at this point, um, having the space physically infected by the demonic. And there, there's just, there is simply no way that I would ever, ever, ever knowingly consent to having, to having sodomites infect phys- physical real estate that I owned. And, you know, the thought that there's people out there who are just kind of like, well, shrug your shoulders. There's, there's really nothing you can do. Well, yeah, there is. You, you just, you can't participate in that on the, on the, um, being the renter, being the landlord, in other words. And, you know, that's a reason why today, you know, I'm, there's not, there's not hardly anything I can do in terms of you know, business in the, in the classical sense, but being the business person that I am, I constantly see, well, here's, here's a hole in the market. Wouldn't this be a good business idea? Wouldn't this be a unique thing? And one of the things that, you know, one looks at and sees is um, food service, hospitality, things like that. Oh, wouldn't it be a good idea to have this and such kind of a restaurant or, or something like that? I could not you, I could not host, you know, sodomitical parties, um, you know, sodomitical bachelor party. I mean, just all of that stuff. It's going to get to the point, it seems to me, where just doing any sort of business like that is going to be basically impossible because what it's going to involve is that you're going to have to host, provide hospitality, serve, do business with things and people that are specifically oriented around the sins of Sodom, sins so grave that they cry out to heaven for God's vengeance. And, you know, you just, I I think that you cannot just shrug your shoulders and say, oh, well, that's, this is just part of living in the world today. You know, I think that there is a line 
that you can cross. Now you'll say, well, Anne, have you bought have you bought a, a Coca-Cola recently? Because Coca-Cola um, you know, does diversity training and things like that. Or have you bought a Coors beer re recently because Coors does, you know, pro sodomy diversity training or whatever. Well, that's one thing. But I think that having to rent your real estate, um, rent your restaurant out to sodomite parties, et cetera, I think that that's a line in the sand. I think that's a different thing, a different category that you're crossing over into. Um, it just kind of seems to me so. I'm not going to put a, a link in the show notes for this, but if you want to go check it out, just go to Google or Bing or your favorite search engine and do a search on Airbnb, Fair Housing Act, and lawsuit. There's too many to reference. Mm, uh -huh. It's just too many. So I, I'm, I'm almost certain that this is a reaction to, hey, bro, don't sue us. Well... I don't know. I think it's, I, I also think it's ideological anymore because where is it? Is it a Palo Alto based, Palo Alto based company? I think, I, I think, think the founders are out of the Bay area, but so was, so were 2 million other people. Right. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm just like, just generally looking at, I'm trying to get that, um, I'm trying to get that that thing to pop up and I can't get it to do it. But anyway, yeah, it's saying, oh, log in with Facebook. Well, I don't have Facebook. Okay, never mind. But yeah, you can you can look that up if you want to. Okay, question for Anne in episode 89, the one with um, non-invading Mark. Anne described an encounter she had with a young woman who was inappropriately dressed. In today's environment, that person will say, you're hating on them when exactly the opposite is true. How do you explain to the person that you were acting out of Christian charity? Where is the line between charity and being a busybody? And how do you distinguish which is which? Um, you explain it to them. And I've actually done this before. Um, remember, again, Father Ripperger's um, spirits of demonic oppression over generations. So generational spirits. The first one that infects in the late 19th century and early 20th century is the spirit of incommunication. Um, how many things, how many problems can be solved? How much clarity can, can be brought to a situation if you just bluntly, forthrightly, clearly explain it to someone? And I have done this before with women who are modestly dressed. Here's, here is the very quick little lecture that they get. You are making an idiot of yourself. Everyone is looking at you. You are embarrassing yourself. I am the only person who cares enough about you to come up to you and tell you this because I, you're embarrassing yourself and I want you to stop doing that and um, even though you are a perfect stranger to me and I will never see you again, probably in this world, I care enough about you to risk you being offended, um, risk anything else to come and tell you the truth so that you can cover yourself up. And I want you to consider the fact, young lady, that none of your friends have told you to put some clothes on because they clearly don't care enough. None of these people on the street walking around care enough, certainly. In fact, all the people on the street are looking at you, staring at you, and laughing at you. I am the only person who cares enough about you to come up to you and talk to you and tell you 
how bad and how embarrassing and how shameful it is and that you need to put some clothes on. And um, I've done it. I've done it more than once. But the, the last time I did it was, again, a girl who was walking around and she was wearing a skirt that was so short that her butt cheeks were hanging out the bottom of it. I mean, her, the, she was wearing a skirt that wasn't it wasn't covering her butt and she's overweight, you know, and she didn't, uh, clearly it was from the, the, the problem was in the back more than the front, obviously. And she didn't know. And she's walking around like this and you just tell them, just say it. I care enough about you to tell this to you. Think about the fact that no one, including your friends who you're walking around with, not one of them cares enough about you to say this to you. But say it and with I'm, sincerity and with charity. I mean, don't be an asshole about it. And and what I mean, especially I'm thinking of something from today at work when I was I was leaving. From, um, somebody got on the elevator and just out of out of politeness, I took my headphones off. I've got you know wireless headphones. That I listen to podcasts and stuff. And the person said, oh, no, you don't have to take your headphones off. And said, no, it's just a it's a statement of respect to you as an individual. You have merit. And it's, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm more interested in what I'm listening to and doing and have no interest in that. I'm not going to block you out if you want to talk to me. So mm-hmm. and the person was genuinely surprised by that. And I meant it, too. I mean, it's, I don't know who the person is and we didn't actually have a conversation, but that's not the point. Yeah. Imagine that fundamental respect for other human beings, even strangers. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. That's a good example. So my recommendation is just communicate. Remember that. Think about, think about what Father Ripperger says about that whole business that just the fact that nobody will say anything or communicate to anyone else. Think about how many misunderstandings there are. And even it's, it's funny to me in these, in these days of, all of this communication that we have, how many people are constantly having misunderstandings and, you know, getting mad at each other because um, a, a text message or, you know, a, some sort of a, a digital message in writing comes across as one thing when it isn't like, like comes across as gruff or brusque or abrasive. When in fact it isn't, no such no such thing as men. I think we've talked about this before, that I've you know started to adopt as much as as much as I can the use of just the smiley face emoji after after a response. If if you if you have to send somebody a quick uh, text message and the response is yes, y e s send. That can, it is possible for people to misconstrue and hear a brusqueness and an abrasiveness, even a sarcasm, something like that, just from from that simple response. But Y-E-S, happy face, communicates that, yes, that's fine, that's good, everything's cool, everything's fine, I agree with you, blah, da, 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 and there's no, there's no negative connotation to that. Yeah, I know people who who have had fall, big falling outs with friends and and you know drifted away from friends over things like that that you know text messages or online messages were not sufficiently verbose and so that was read and interpreted as uh, passive aggressive or hostility or being given the brush or something like that 
and nothing could be further from the truth. So again, it's the spirit of incommunication. Not only say what needs to be said, but make sure that it's said with clarity, with a, with a clarity of intent, with a clarity of like you were, like you referenced charity, make sure that it comes across as, and that doesn't mean drippingly sweet, syrupy, oh my dear, oh, your, your outfit is so cute, but I just, I just want to let you know, no, some point at some, sometimes as all parents, as I'm sure can testify, charity means a firm hand. Um, and charity can mean with when a girl's walking around the streets naked, um, it needs to be extremely clear. You know, your, your ass is hanging out the back of your dress and you have got to cover that up right now. And I'm telling you this because I care about you. Um, charity doesn't mean necessarily at all times drippingly sweet. And if you're, if there's ever any doubt about that, just ask. I mean, if, if, if because of lack of communication or clear communication, you get the impression that somebody is, uh, throwing an attitude at you, ask, mm -hmm. ask. Yeah. Uh, yep. The worst they're going to tell you is that, yes, they're throwing an attitude at you. That's right. <laughs> but then you'll know. And then maybe at that point you can, um, you can do something to correct or rectify that or smooth it over. But the worst thing you can do is just, you know, go stew in your own juices. And some, somebody sent me a text message that says, yes. So clearly that means that our friendship is over. I mean, <laughs> the thing, things like this happen and they happen all the time in this day and age. So fight against that spirit of incommunication. Phones are called smartphones for a reason. You can actually create macros that when you type in the letters Y-E-S, you can change it to after further consideration and do, do uh, reflection, I'm going to answer in the affirmative. It can take three <laughs> letters and put an entire sentence like that in there. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm only being slightly um, facetious about that. Uh, speaking of uh, communication and confusion, after episode 89, there were a couple of emails came in saying that, uh, what is it with, with uh, Ann and Mark talking over each other like they weren't listening or paying attention? It's called VoIP delay. Um, yeah. We're using something called voice over IP. And uh, when, when Ann and I talk, I'm recording on my end. And when Ann and Mark talked and recorded, the recording was somewhere in the middle. And there is a definite lag between when Ann says something and, and when I hear it and vice versa. Usually it's when I say it because Ann talks more than I do. It's her show. And so there, there, are, there are, are periods where I'll say something to interrupt, but you never hear it in the final recording because I go scrub those out. I take notes about this. When in, in the case of the recording being in the middle and you've got the VoIP delay doubled because the, the transmission time from Ann, you know, let's say she's in Denver and on Time Warner Cable. So that goes over to Northern Virginia and then out to wherever. And let's say Mark is on uh, Google Fiber. So it's going to go out to San Jose and then out to wherever the recording point is. And let's say it's in Dallas. Yeah, light travels fast over fiber optics, but there's still going to be a delay. And mm -hmm. so when you've got that delay doubled like that, it can be almost up to a full second where one person starts talking before the other one realizes it. And I ended up doing the editing on that show twice before I finally said, I can't get this all out. It's just going to have to be something that the listeners you know, deal with. And um, for those of you who thought that there was some kind of uh, disrespect for the other person and talking over them, no, they didn't hear it. it it'd be like Anne talking as soon as I, as soon as I made a pause and thinking that I was done talking. And then I started saying something, she's not meaning to talk over to me. It's just over me. Well, actually in this example, I'm half expecting her to do it right now, but, um, <laughs> it's just a matter of, 
it's not face to face. So you don't know when the other person's actually done. And so when it's completely in the blind like that, visually speaking, you hear the pause, you start talking, and then you realize that before a second goes by, the other person is actually continuing with part two of their four part, um, uh, bullet points. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there was some four syllable word that I was going to use there and I forgot, but when you and I right now, when we're talking, this to me, it sounds exactly the same as, you know, back in 1987, talking on a landline telephone with someone in the same town. They, it, it doesn't, I don't perceive any lag between us as we're talking here, but that's a function of how the whole thing is set up. And um, you, you had mentioned that there are, and hopefully we can figure out how to integrate this in when and if we do, and we, the plan is to do another another episode with Mark again at some point in the future, um, that there are some of these, um, uh, these, what do you call these podcasting, um, apps and programs where there's a little button that it's you raising your hand. And so we have to get into the habit of if somebody wants to break in, what you do is that you, you do this rate click on this thing to raise your hand and then the person who's speaking sees that and knows to stop so that you don't get into the weird talking over each other thing. And yeah, I mean, it, it did things. I mean, things like this obviously don't bother me tremendously, but when I did re-listen to that episode, um, it, it, it makes me cringe when there's that overtalk, because it does sound rude, but that's not how it's happening in real time for us. It doesn't. It it doesn't sound like that, but it's it sounds kind of bad and rude. And so I just I just wanted to mention that that it's it's a little bit tough when you're doing these these remote deals, you know. And it kind of makes you appreciate the editing that does go on behind the scenes in a lot of these podcasts that you know the high dollar ones that people are doing is that they're able to overcome that, edit it all out. It's kind of a big deal, but you know, in terms of super nerd. I mean, this man's got a full-time job and a family and everything. He doesn't need to be spending 20 hours editing a, a hour and 20 minute long podcast to get over talk out. That's, that's a waste of time, but we're going to try to do things. And there are things, it sounds like there are things that we could do. Is it your intention to shift the platform, try a different platform than the one we used last time? Or have you seen anything new, improve better? Um, what I'm trying to research is an easy way for you to be able to do the recording. Um, Mark is, is, is on a device where recording is really not an option. So if I was doing the recording here with my hardware and software setup, you still have the same problem that I'm a, I'm a person in the middle and the two of you still have a VoIP delay in both directions. Yeah. So even though I've got very little latency between you two directly from my, my correct, from my vantage point, um, it, it's not where I'm, what I'm hearing. It's what each of you are hearing. Mm-hmm. So. No, forward, forward. If that's the worst problem we have, then we're doing pretty darn good. So. <laughs> and, and ultimately I don't think it, it, and I don't think it's a problem that's so bad that somebody listening is going to say, Oh, well, this is horrible. I can't listen to it. Right, there are right. some podcasts to which I listen where you've got seven or eight people on there and it's just such a noisy podcast. It's like, I, there may be value to what they're talking about or entertainment or interest, but I can't listen to it. And and I'm not being a snob. It's just a matter of even with really good noise canceling headphones, I can't hear what they're saying. So what's mm-hmm. the, what's the point of trying to do that? At least with the overtalk, I do 
<laughs> insist perhaps to Anne's annoyance or amusement, I'm not sure which, that I try to keep the audio quality as high as possible. So at least mm-hmm. in, in the as in, in the in the parts where there wasn't the overtalk happening, the audio quality was really good. Yes. So yes, in, it was. In, in that respect, uh, maybe uh, maybe my joking reference of saying when you're done talking, say over, and then the other person can start talking. Um, maybe that's one option. I mean, I'm not entirely being serious about that, but it just may be that that uh, with with these uh, recording in the middle situations, it's going. There's going to be some overtalk. You can't get away from it. And, and, and certainly after listening to that podcast, um, the the raw recording of it, all of a sudden the light went off. It's like every single podcast I listen to that's got three or four or five people on it, and they're using a recording. Uh, solution like this. That's why it sounds like they're talking over each other because they don't hear it. Yep. Yeah, we don't hear it at all. So, <laughs> well, we'll get better next time. Well, hopefully it won't get any worse. That's that's the only thing uh, that I'm striving for at the moment because I think getting better is going to be a level of complexity that uh, I don't know if you want to go there. Okay. Well, set that bar low <laughs> so we can clear it. <laughs> Well, that certainly right. makes it easier. I mean, set the bar low and then clearing it is easy. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Uh, All right. You got anything else on the on the school lunch cafeteria smorgasbord over there? Um, dessert. There should be a dessert topic, but I don't have one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this will be yours. Go for it. Ah, yeah, yeah. Blah, what? I got nothing. I got absolutely nothing. You caught me. You caught me unawares. And I've got a show opening. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha, that was a trick. I think you planned that. <laughs> no, it just, it, it works out very well. It, it was, it was definitely fortuitous. All right. Well, do you want to, do you want to do a wrap up then? I will. I need to get okay. that window open though. Um, one of the weird things I did since the last time we recorded is that I changed my configuration here with my monitors. And it's not that that's actually interesting in any shape or form. I'm trying to fill the air until I figure out where in the world my wrap up script is. And... <laughs> If I wouldn't have switched left to right and right to left, I wouldn't have been searching this long. The email address of the podcast, uh, thank you for listening. This has been awesome. Uh, the email address of the podcast uh, where you can send feedback, suggestions, or ideas for how to for me to keep my windows straight, uh, it's podcast at barnhart.biz. Uh, masses for ends benefactors every single day. And every week, there is a mass for ends benefactors. Whether or not Jeffrey Epstein is one of those people who got a requiem set for him or if he's alive and kicking it in Israel, we don't know. But... Everyone who died in the last week, uh, they definitely get a Requiem Mass head for them. Um, we didn't go into that conspiracy theory, did we? Oh, no. Well, that's the next episode. There you go. Well, there was a power outage about the in, in Western Manhattan about the same time that um, Epstein's death happened. And then for 12 hours at, at uh, Israel's Ben-Gurion Airport, the luggage system all of a sudden wasn't working. So it was mass pandemonium. So if you wanted to sneak in somebody who was supposed to be dead, that was a good time to do it. Um, back to, back to reality. Wow. <laughs> Setting up the next episode there. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. the Barnhart podcast is a production of super nerd media. If you found something of value or entertainment in this episode or previous episodes, and would like to return some value, please visit supernerdmedia.com for more information. And it has been more than a month. So this is a slightly longer list than usual. Actually, it's a quite a longer list than usual. So thank you very much to Charles, Arthur, Jean, Brian, Camille, Donald, Blaine, PMJ, Marianne, and Charles. Uh, that was all via PayPal. And uh, Richard, Amy, and Laura, um, who sent the tip, according to her note. Um, thank you very much. That all came by the, via the pale, the the, pale, the mailbox. And um, there might actually still be something there. I didn't check it in the last four days. So 
Uh, thank you very much for that. It definitely helps keep everything going here. And hopefully, um, <laughs> hopefully I can use that to find a, a better um, podcasting recording in the middle solution. So uh, Matthew 1720 is yours. Matthew 1720 intention is, of course, um, full fasting twice a week or whatever you can do. Um, the intention is that Bergoglio be pub publicly recognized and removed as anti-Pope and the whole thing be nullified, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope since April of 2005, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace, and someday achieve the beatific vision, and that Pope Ratzinger repent of whatever he might need to repent of, die in a state of grace, and likewise someday achieve the beatific vision. Our Lady, endure of knots, pray for us. St. Bernard of Clairvaux, pray for us. St. Catherine of Siena, pray for us. Um, St. Michael, the exorcist angel, pray Saint for us. St. Michael, the exorcist angel, who is also the guardian angel of the sovereign pontiff, pray for us. Yeah, uh, keep praying, guys, keep praying. Well, St. Michael gets a lot of cool titles. He was also the official guardian angel of Our Lady. Ooh, I didn't know that either. It just keeps getting better and better. There you go. All he, right. He's a stud. Yep, he is. Well, until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. God bless.